0: The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... Come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. The perfect crime has been the dream of the criminal long before Cain slew Abel. More often than not, however, the dream turns to nightmare. Fate steps in, spins the wheel or throws the dice, and the hunter becomes the hunted. Man, imperfect that he is, falls over his own feet, tripped up by some seemingly inconsequential detail, and the plot is uncovered. Such a tale of mystery we are about to unfold in... Murder one.
1: I was thinking I'd like a raise, Mrs. Telford. Something like a thousand a month.
0: A thousand?
1: You're only getting 500 now. Isn't that a little steep? Well, considering my duties here, cook, housekeeper, and actually knowing what I do about so many things, I'd say I'm really worth 2,000 a month.
0: Mystery drama, Murder One, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by G. Frederick Lewis and stars Tammy Grimes. It is sponsored in part by Buick Motor Division. I'll be back shortly with Act One. The wisest one once said, For what shall it profit a man? if he gain the whole world and suffer the loss of his soul. What indeed shall it profit such a wealthy man should he suffer the loss of his life? Such a man was Walter Telford, oil baron, airplane builder, motion picture tycoon, art collector, yet a recluse. Only a handful of men surrounded him, kept the world away, and formed the nucleus of that giant multinational company, Magna. Three men and one doctor, Telford's personal physician. Only one woman was ever close to him, his young wife, Madge. This is her story.
2: When I woke up this morning, for the first time in 12 years, I felt lighthearted, free, because I was free. Walter was no more. The years of having to put up with this strange Unloving man were over. He had attracted me at first, but it soon wore off. His position, his power, his money. Now he's gone. His ashes lie at the crematorium. Soon I would have to pick them up and have them placed in his private jet. The murder one. Flown over his oil fields and scattered. Just as Walter had instructed it.
1: Come in. What is it, Harriet? This big photograph of Mr. Telford flying his first airplane, I wondered if you'd like it in here. Oh, that terrible picture. It looks like a giraffe. I suppose so. I thought you'd like to be reminded of the good old days. Harriet, there were never any good old days. They may have been old, but they weren't that good. Not until Mr. Telford came round to the stage door entrance. Oh, I enjoyed my acting career, I suppose.
2: But I don't have to tell you, Harriet. You were my dresser and maid for... For how long was it, five years? Seven, until you married him. Yes, I gave up a lot. But you took to life among the wealthy like a duck to water. You just
1: went right along from dresser to household cook. You didn't give up a thing, dear, and you know it. You weren't such a hot actress. The best part you ever played was wife to Walter Telford. In fact, as an actress, you were terrible, and the critics said so. How dare you speak to me like that?
2: I have a good mind to fire you. I don't think you will, dear.
1: I know too much. Like what? Oh, perhaps that long trip to Africa wasn't good for Mr. Telford. He enjoyed every minute. His last
2: happiness on earth, as it turned out. But then he took sick and we had a terrible time getting out. Try asking a stone-age bushman which way is the nearest airport. So you nursed him all by yourself. I did what I could. We had some drugs along, just painkillers. But that jungle fever got to him and he didn't
1: have the resistance. Well, there aren't many young wives married to old fellows who would have done as well by him as you. Harriet! Well, he was old. can't deny that. I think you'd better get back to the kitchen. You forget yourself. Do I? There are an awful lot of things I just can't seem to forget.
2: The days passed. Walter's business associates were most kind. Jack called several times, assuring me they wanted me on the board of directors of Magna. Not just because I was Walter's wife, a widow, but because they felt a younger voice in the corporation was needed. Not that I was looking forward to becoming a businesswoman, for aside from being a wife, all I knew was a the theatre. But I felt in Walter's memory, I should. I wondered if I ought to give up this big house in Beverly Hills, the two maids, the gardener and chauffeur, and Harriet. But it would be hard for me to leave. Do you have a minute, Madge? Madge? Since when are you being so familiar? And I notice you don't knock anymore. Just
1: barge in. I thought we were back to the old days. Just the two of us. After all, dear, we've been through an awful lot together. All right. If it pleases you. But not in front of the others. What do you want? I was thinking I'd like a raise, seeing as how you'll be needing me more and more. What do you mean? Well, there may be special errands you'd like me to do, confidentially. Like what? Getting prescriptions filled at the drugstore. Getting stuff to get rid of the rats. You know. How much do you get now? Five hundred a month. I see. How about six fifty? I was thinking something like a thousand. A thousand a month? Well, considering I'm really the housekeeper now, I'll go on cooking, of course... Isn't that a little steep, Harriet? Actually, knowing what I do about so many things around here, there'd be some people who'd say I was really worth $2,000. Well, let me...
2: i have to think it over. It seems like a
1: great deal of money to me. You'll be inheriting a great deal, and you'd like to keep it. Think that over, too. I don't like your insinuations,
2: I don't like your threats, and you'd better watch out, Harriet. Don't drive me too far.
1: As I said before, you're a very unconvincing actress.
2: I was boiling mad. If she suspected something was strange about Walter's death, the doctors didn't. Dear Arthur Carter, who's crazy about me and his four old colleagues, they'd agreed Walter had picked up something in Africa which caused it. So I was a lousy actress, was I? Well, we would see. Yes, Miss Harriet. I'll make you eat your words. Yes? Is this the Telfer residence? Yes, it is.
1: What can I do for you? I'm Sister Teresa of the African Hospital. May I come in? Of course. Certainly, Sister.
2: You must be Harriet. They've told me so much of you. Yes, I am. What a beautiful room, fantastique. Is that Mrs. Telford, that portrait over the far place? Yes, it
1: is. I thought I recognized her. May I sit down? Would you like me to call her and announce you?
2: In a moment. Let me catch my breathing first. It is good luck that I'm here. When I saw Mr. and Mrs. Telford last, I had no idea it should be so soon. It is, in fact... Extraordinary. I should come at all. You come... From Africa. Mr. Telford, when he was taken ill, he was brought to our little hospital in ganama Poor man. He was very sick. But his good wife, she got an airplane and took him to America. I hope he had recovered from his malady. Uh,
1: Sister Therese, what made you come here? i show you. A letter he wrote.
2: He left with the sisters in our little hospital. Ah, uh, I read it to you. Dear Sister Terrells, I can never repay you and all the sisters at the hospital for your goodness and kindness. As I told you, whenever you need something to make a hospital bigger and better, with more equipment, please let me know, and I shall be very happy to take care of your needs. Very sincerely, Walter Telford. Please,
1: look. A beautiful letter. Oh, yes. I recognize the handwriting. Of course. So, how did I get
2: here? There was a world meeting of our order in Vancouver, and I went, and from Vancouver to California is not so far. So, please, I would like to see him now, Mr. Telford. Please tell him Sister Teresa from
1: Gannema is here. I wish I could do that, Sister, but I'm afraid Mr. Telford passed away a week ago.
2: Oh, mon dieu. I'm too late.
1: I'm afraid so. All this distance for nothing.
2: If you could have seen what a brave fight he put up against the fever. So many of the native Africans catch it every year. It's it's terrible. But it is not always fatal. Not always? 90% yes, it is fatal. But the younger 10%, they have a chance to come out of it and live. Mr. Telford was not exactly a young man. What is this uh, disease, fever? A parasite. In Africa, these parasites kill people every day. Well, perhaps before I go, I
1: should see Mrs. Telford. I liked her very much. She was devoted to Mr. Telford. Devoted. By all means, sister. I'm sure Mrs. Telford would be happy to see you. Although, on second thought, perhaps not.
2: This must be sad days for her. And for me to come at this time and ask for money, not the right time. no. Just as you wish.
1: But I shall certainly tell her you were here.
2: Thank you very much. I, I shall write to
1: her. Uh, did you come by car, sister, or should I call you a taxi? Oh, my no. I walk from the railroad
2: that one gets used to very soon in Africa, walking. It is four kilometers from the train station at Ghanema to our hospital. Au revoir, Miss Harriet. Goodbye. I shall remember you in my prayers. Merci. Startled me. What
1: are you doing this early in the morning in Mr. Telford's trophy room? Just came to tidy up. We have a maid for that. Two, in fact. Oh, I meant to tell you about that. I thought their work was getting very sloppy, so I've let them go. Without asking me? Well, since I am the housekeeper now, it's my responsibility. I I thought you'd be leaving those decisions to me. Now, I have two young nieces who are very hard workers. I thought I might ask them. Harriet, I don't like that. Not being consulted. And I'll tell you what else I don't like.
2: There are too many spices in the food. I don't like it that way, and I never have,
1: and you know it. Mr. Telford always did. Well, I'm not. When are you getting these girls? Whenever I can. I have to write to them. They live in Cleveland. I
2: hope you realize. This is a large house to run with only a housekeeper, a chauffeur,
1: and a gardener. A matter of fact, dear, they quit. The gardener and the chauffeur. What? Just like that? Just like that. We had a little talk yesterday. I told them what would be expected now that I'm in charge, and this morning they just up and left. Well, that's unbelievable. Yes, it is strange, isn't it? So, for a little while it'll be just you and me, dear. The two of us in this house together. Alone.
0: The large house in Tudor style set back amid the landscaping and palm trees on Beverly Drive. One would never dream that within those fancy brick walls lived a young widow and her housekeeper. Also, that fear lived at that address. The only terror Madge had known up to now was stage fright. But this was not theater or make-believe. This was real. How real? We shall find out when I return with Act Two. Suspicion is no friend to virtue. Suspicion is an enemy to happiness. So goes the old saying. And so it was in the Telford mansion between the two women living there. Had billionaire Walter Telford died fairly, foully, of known or unknown causes, of those who survived him, which was the cat, which was the mouse.
2: I would lie in bed night after night, hoping sleep would come, but it didn't. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, in a dreaded pattern. I'd get up, wander about the house at night, and end up in Walter's study. Straightening the books, the model airplanes of the real ones he built, the model oil derricks, the miniature sets of the movies he'd made, symbols of all his enterprises. This night, I was particularly keyed up. I had to talk to someone. Arthur was the only one I could think of.
3: Dr. Cutter here.
2: Arthur? Are
4: you... Uh, Madge? Yes. Do you know what time it is?
2: I couldn't help it. Something's going on here.
4: Well, what is it? It's Harriet. Huh?
2: She's at me in this most peculiar fashion. It's hard to explain. As though... As though I personally had, had a hand in Walter's death.
3: I see.
4: But what does she say?
2: Well, for one thing, she wants more money. Much more.
4: So don't give it to her. There are other crooks, you know.
2: It's not that simple. What can I do? Arthur, you're the only man I can turn to.
4: Yes, well,
3: leave it to me, Madge. You mean... I said, leave it to me. Now, hang up and come to see me tomorrow at four in the office. Well, John, uh, last night I had a call from Mrs. Telford. It seems their cook, Harriet, has been making demands, implying she knows something, and I just wanted to be sure where the boys stood. There was absolutely nothing strange about how Walter died. A clear, definable case. She is imagining that her cook is an enemy. Absolutely not. So far as there being any possibility of foul play, forget it. Walter Telford died of natural diseased causes. I'll stake my reputation on it.
1: Good morning, dear. In for a walk? In the garden, Harriet. What would you like for dinner tonight? I'd plan to have a nice casserole, the one with lentils and beef. Mr. Telford's favorite. I'm not very hungry today.
2: I think I'll take the car and go for a drive. I need some fresh air. Besides, I
1: have an appointment in town. Well, now, that's a good idea. Work up an appetite. Oh, um, a message came for you while you were in the garden. Would you please call the Heavenly Rest Crematorium? Uh, This is the number they gave me. Thank you, Harriet. Are you all right? You seem a little down. I'm fine. Well, I have a lot to do. Don't forget to call. Have a nice drive. (sighs) Mm.
4: Mm. Heavenly rest, crematorium. Uh, This
2: is Mrs. Telford. Somebody called me earlier.
4: Oh, yes. It was I, Mr. Fisher. Yes? About your husband, uh, Mrs. Telford.
2: Oh, yes. I-, I was planning to pick up the ashes just as soon as I got around to it. It's, uh... Well, you know. I have a funny feeling about it, and...
4: I'm afraid that's the difficulty, Mrs. Telford. But it's no problem if you aren't in any hurry. What do you mean? I regret to say there's been a strike, and so we haven't been able to, uh, uh, process, Mr. Telford, yet... But everything will be in order in a few days. However, I thought I should let you know.
2: Yes. Yes, I... I understand.
4: A few days, a week at the most, and everything will be in order, I can assure you.
2: A few days? A week at the most? Walter was still not... What if someone should want an autopsy? What... what would I say? Jack or Fred or the other Magna board member? Of course, Arthur would stop them. He signed the death certificate, his word. Besides, who could do that without my permission? Unless there was some suspicion of... Uh, of uh... It was narrowing down to Harriet and me. I had to act. Now, first thing, to discredit whatever she might say. I called Arthur's office and said I was too sick to keep my appointment at four. I started eating nothing but toast. A few potatoes for dinner. I began to take a few grains of arsenic at a time. I had to make it believable she was the prisoner and I was the next intended victim.
1: What is it, dear? Three days now and you've hardly touched your food. And what are you doing still in bed? I I really feel terrible.
2: What's gotten into you? I don't know. I could be here. Who knows? Emotional shock of suddenly losing my husband. Oh, you expect me to believe that? I don't care what you believe. You've been taking a great many liberties lately, Harriet, and it aggravates me. Oh, I have, have I? It's perfectly true that at one time we were close. And if it hadn't been for my regard for you, I wouldn't be paying you the exorbitant wages you're getting.
1: I've decided I want more. Don't
2: interrupt me. When I married Walter, you were so grateful to get out of the theatrical rat race. You fell all over yourself. You were so happy I arranged for you to take over our kitchen, and you did fine. I'm not saying you didn't. But since we came back from Africa, since the tragedy, I don't understand your behavior at all. And what I'm saying, Harriet, is cut it out. I don't like it.
1: I'm not going to stand for any attempted blackmail. Should I applaud now? Not a very good scene, dear. You didn't play it very convincingly. You're bluffing, and old Harriet isn't being taken in one bit. Oh!
2: Oh! Get me... Get me the... The... the, Dr. Carter for me. Oh! Oh! Give me... Hand it... Hand it to me. Hello? This is... Oh! Hello? Uh, uh, Hello? Harriet... Tell him I'm in great pain. Hello?
1: Have him. Have him come over here. Hello? Hello, Doctor? Yes? It's uh, Mrs. Telford. She says she's not feeling well. I'm in terrible pain. She says she's in bad pain.
3: Well, where is she in pain, Harriet?
1: He wants to know where. Where? Where? Do I have to talk to him myself?
3: Tell her I'm on my way to the hospital and take it easy. I'll stop by.
1: All right, Doctor. I'll tell her. Thank you. He says he'll stop by on his way to the hospital and to take it easy. Mm. Of course, if I were the doctor, that is not what I would say. Oh, no? What would that be? I'd say, Madge, dear, what an act. Oh. Yeah, but
2: what is it, Arthur? I can't begin to describe it. I
3: felt like this. There's nothing wrong with you, Madge. Nothing at all. Probably picked up some intestinal bug. Oh, by the way, I am sorry I was so short with you when you called the other night. It's just that Cecile has always been jealous of you.
2: I'm sorry, but I couldn't help it. I was frightened. Why do I have this awful wrenching inside me now? I'm sorry.
3: No, it's not your fault. But Cecile has made me promise to shut off the telephone after midnight. So the service will pick up, and that's that. Hmm?
2: Is that you outside the door, Harriet? She's eyeing on me every minute. Harriet! Harriet, will you please come in? You called? If you are listening outside the door, don't. But in case you happen to miss what Dr. Carter was saying, it was that he cannot be reached any more on the telephone at night.
1: I'm sure I don't know what you're talking about, Mrs. Telford.
2: You see, Arthur, that's what I have to put up with. She's always there when I least expect her. I feel her waiting, watching, everywhere.
3: It's nerves, Madge. And you're entitled to them. I <laughs> know what you've been through. Oh. Now, look, look, you stay quiet and remain in bed for a few days and eat lightly.
2: Oh, I can't keep anything down. Mm,
3: crackers and tea, then. Or beef consomme. I did talk to Harriet a few days ago, as I said I would. I asked her what she was doing. She said she hasn't behaved any differently toward you from way back when she
0: took care of you backstage.
2: I don't want to talk about her. Arthur, do you know how sweet you were? Did I ever tell you? You were so wonderful to me in those last hours.
3: Well, it isn't easy for a wife to watch her husband slipping
2: away. You made it bearable, Arthur. Taking care of all those ghastly details. So efficiently.
3: Oh, it wasn't much a certificate to sign and then have, well, the body removed.
2: I shall never forget, ever, how you helped. Isn't it strange when you think about it that Walter and I should have the same pain right across here?
3: You have an enormous imagination, my dear. I don't think so. Come here. Hmm? Come
2: close. Bullion in that cup yes.
3: I had a little,
2: little. About, About half of it Half of it Tastes Funny Funny Take it with
1: you Will you Would you have it analyzed Whatever for Oh I'm sorry I didn't realize You were still here doctor Here Mrs. Chelford Let me Plump up that pillow Oh Oh my goodness So oh, nice Bullion How careless of me Well I'll get a dustpan And clear up that mess Right away And then Go make you some more How is our patient today? Oh, good morning, Harriet. It's after 12. You slept very well, didn't you? After 12? I can't mm-hmm. believe it. A call came for you while you were asleep. I didn't want to disturb you, so they left a message.
2: Who, uh, who was that?
1: Uh, Mr. Fisher from the crematorium. It seems they're still on strike, and he wondered if you wished to make any other disposition of Mr. Telford. Oh, uh, I, uh, I, uh, I, I, I don't know. I always wondered why you wanted him cremated so quickly. It was his wish. Pity. Doesn't look as though he's going to get his wish. Oh, did I ever tell you I had a very interesting visit last week from a Sister Therese of the African Hospital, I think she said. Sister Therese here? In Beverly Hills? She was very concerned about Mr. Telford. She took care of him out there. They said he'd contracted a kind of jungle disease. We know that. Harriet. It occurred to me now that Mr. Telford's body is still, uh, how should I say, intact. Perhaps you'd be doing science a great favor to let it be examined. Think how much they could learn from what he had. Since when are
2: you so interested
1: in medical science? Well, I have a brother in San Francisco who's a medical research doctor. He'd be fascinated to find out something about jungle diseases. I was thinking I might drive up and bring him down. I absolutely forbid it. Well, now, aren't you being selfish? Just supposing if Mr. Telford were examined, not by Dr. Cotter and the old fogies he brought in, the cause of his death turned out to be something different. Maybe not a jungle disease. Now do you see why I'm worth even more than I'm getting now? I've got all these good ideas. Harriet, will you please leave the room?
2: I'm in no state to argue with you. My hands are perspiring, my feet are icy. I just want to be let alone. I'm only saying if, <laughs> if, if, if,
1: if, 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 and ands with were pots and pans, there'd be no need of tinkers. Oh, that's from Saint Joan, isn't it? I remember you saying those lines when you played the part. You weren't at all bad. Didn't you do it with a French accent? I I did mention to you, didn't I, a Sister Therese with a French accent came by and tried to tell me Mr. Telford died of this African disease. Something very familiar about her.
0: In police language, murder one is the intent to cause the death of another person. Murder One is also the result of the intent to cause suicide by force, duress, or deception. Surely we have some of those ingredients here. Are there more? They did not surprise me in the least. So let us find out when I return with Act Three. upon a time, there was a billionaire whose empire ranged from oil fields to art museums. He was Walter Telford. He was a difficult man to work for, demanding complete loyalty. His sense of humor was grisly, to say the least, like calling his private plane the Murder One. Unfortunately, fate sometimes plays its own little jokes, and Murder One is one of them.
2: It is surprising how much arsenic the human body can tolerate. Not that I feel tipped up, but I have been gradually taking more and more so that when I get Arthur to examine me, and he will, he will discover it. And how can Arthur help but conclude that someone is trying to poison me? Who else could it be but Harriet? That is the game of suspicion and death. And tonight I play my final hand. Where is she? Hey, why doesn't she come? Harriet!
1: Please! Help! What is it? What is the matter? Is it after midnight. I'm
2: dying. Get Dr. Carter. Get him. Oh, all right. I'll call
1: him. Where is the telephone? That's
2: no use. You heard him yourself. He shuts the phone off at night. Go to his house. Harriet. You know where he lives. Take your car and go right away. Now, in this weather, Harriet, if I die, you won't get anything. Not one penny. It all goes to the Magna Corporation, all of it. Understand? I don't know what you're talking about.
1: All right, I'll go. I only hope you're as sick as you make out.
2: You better hope I'm not. Now, where did I put it? Why do I keep forgetting things? Something seems to be holding me back. It's, it's such an effort to move, to remember. Where is the arsenic? Ah, here, under the pillow. How stupid of me. Wait, wait, wait. Wait. Shh, shh. Shh. Has she left the house yet? Down the hall. Why do I feel so giddy? Maybe I'm... I've been dosing myself for too much. Seems to me I I used much less before, but I had to have enough in my stomach so that... Oh, good. She's left the door open. No, no. That's not where to hide it. In the bureau. I can't see. Why don't the lights work? The switch, where is it? Ah, here. Hide it under the clothes, way in the back. Can't get it shut. That's all right. Now, get back to bed. Oh. Oh. I really don't feel well at all. So dizzy. Then when Arthur comes, uh, I'll tell him I suspect I'm being poisoned. Like Walter. He'll figure it out. He always does as I say, old Arthur. <laughs> uh, the way he just up and signed the death certificate just on my say-so. <laughs> uh, what is it? Oh, I must have been asleep. What time is it? Bedside clock, two, two o'clock. Where is she, Harriet? She's not here. How could it take two hours? Arthur would have come back with her right away. Maybe she was in an accident. That could be an accident. Oh, oh, sister Wizzy. The phone, where is it? I can hardly see. Yes. Hello. Hello.
4: Mrs. Telford? This is Mrs. Telford. Yes. Mrs. Telford, this is Mr. Fisher?
1: Yes.
4: Yes, what? Well, I'm sorry to call you so late, but I just got back from San Francisco at a medical research meeting, and I went round locking up, and uh, and I couldn't find Mr. Telford's body. Oh. You didn't have it removed by any chance, did you? Yes. It's nowhere on the premises. Mr.
2: Telford's body has disappeared. No. No no, no. no, no. Something is closing on me. Get a hold of myself. Think clearly. Harriet is not here. Therefore, Harriet is in an accident. What do I have to do now? What do I have to do? Yes. Take my car. And drive to Arthur. Get dressed. It's raining so bad. No. No, no, no. That would be wrong. Put my robe on. Over my pajamas. No slippers. Bare feet. Could I see the road? It's so cold in the car. What's wrong with the heater? Got to get to houses. Turn here. It's so cold. There's someone out there. Someone in the road. Waving. Get out of the way, you idiot!
0: I'm flying.
3: Flying.
0: That.
2: Everywhere. What's that over there? Something moving. Help me. Help me, please. Over here, help me. Harriet, is that you? Who are you? I can't see. Someone bending over me. Mm. Ah! Oh! Oh, Arthur! Arthur, you? Arthur! <laughs> What's the matter with you, Arthur?
1: is a rotten idea.
3: I think we've gone too far. Oh, slot. Uh, Do you have a front door key, Harriet?
1: Of course I have.
3: Madge? Madge? It's me, Arthur. I'll go upstairs. You check all the rooms down here. We've got to find her. She's not in her bedroom.
1: Not downstairs either.
3: Did you look in your room?
1: My room? Why would she be in there? Will
3: you do as I say. Go look. All
1: right. All right.
3: Stupid, stupid. Oh, because I thought Madge had made a fool of me getting me to sign that death certificate without a... I had a feeling something was wrong with my diagnosis of Walter's death. But I never thought it could be poison. Well,
1: she's not there. But my room is a shambles. Clothes all over the place, drawers pulled out like a cyclone hit it. And look, I want, I want you to see what I found. Right. This powder. It's not mine, I swear it.
3: Good Lord. what do we do? Where is she? I'm responsible. I am responsible. Check the garage, will you, Harriet? See if her car is there.
1: It isn't. I remember now seeing the garage was empty as we drove up. What are you doing? Calling the
3: Hello, hello, police. This is Dr. Cotter. One of my patients may be driving around the Hollywood Hills. Yes, she's in no condition to drive. I want you to search Beverly Glen, Coldwater, that whole area. It's Mrs. Walter Telford. Yes, that Mrs. Walter Telford. I'd say she left here about an hour ago, and I'm afraid she isn't competent to drive. No, I don't know. Wait a minute. Hold on. Why would she have gone out tonight? Of course. She was going to my place. She was here waiting, and I called her pretending to be Fisher. I I didn't show up here. uh, Sergeant, send your men first along Mulholland Drive. Yep. Call me. I'll wait here. The number's five 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 eight six zero one. 555-8601. As soon as you find out anything, thank you. It's gone too far, Harriet. Too far. Now this is Sector Six, Edward to Central. We picked up female on Mulholland and Beverly Glen, unconscious, thrown from car, which appears wrecked. What
2: is it? Where am I? Where are you taking me, Walter? Uh,
3: ma'am, you just sit back there easy and wrap that blanket around your
2: arm. There's blood on me. You aren't Walter.
3: Uh, no, ma'am, I'm Patrolman Burns. You keep quiet now, and we'll have you in the hospital in no time.
2: My name is Madge Telford.
3: Is that Mrs. Walter Telford? Miss Walter Telford. Six Edward De Central female has regained consciousness and identifies self as Mrs. Walter Telford.
2: Osmic. She was poisoning me like she did Walter. And it's food. Spicy food. What time is it? Hey, uh, a little
3: after seven, Mrs. Telford. Seven? Yeah. In the morning? Yes, ma'am. In the morning.
2: I've been out there all night.
1: How is she?
3: Not responding.
1: I had no idea all this. Can she get better?
3: Too soon to say. Can't make up where I am. Right in front of me.
2: White sheets. Funny high bed With white bar. People standing over me. I'm so cold. Chains. Heavy, heavy chains across my chest
1: sleeping
3: now. So tired. Go to sleep now. I don't know if she can pull out of this. She's lost a great deal of blood.
1: But you know what she did? She killed... I'm still
3: a doctor. A lifetime of money as a member of Magna doesn't... It can't stop my being a doctor.
1: She brought it all on herself.
3: I went out of my head to have listened to you. I only wanted to riding there because she'd made such a fool of me.
1: You were more convincing as Mr. Fisher than she was as Sister What's-Her-Name. I can tell you that. <laughs>
2: it's funny. That's She won't have anything now. And there's Arthur. He won't either. We'll find out. I can see them performing the autopsy. Finding all that off in me. No one will believe I could have done it to myself. Do you mean to tell me, Dr. Carter, you didn't know arsenic poisoning? Murder one, that's the charge. <laughs> All I'm sorry about is I won't be around to have
0: seen how fear follows crime and is its punishment. We have seen the hand of fate upset the plans of man and deal out its own brand of justice. What happened to Madge Telford? What happened to Dr. Arthur Carter? Harriet? We'll find out in a very few minutes. After having been admitted to the hospital, Madge Telford died, like her husband, from a combination of death-dealing blows, from arsenic poisoning to a crushed body, even a destroyed mind. Harriet was absolved of complicity, but her dreams of untold wealth came to nothing. Arthur Carter has been suspended from the roster of doctors, expelled from Magna, and today awaits indictment. Perhaps it is true Society prepares the crime. The criminal commits it. Our cast included Tammy Grimes, Terry Keene, and Leon Janney. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. I thought teaching
1: jobs was scarce. Now, Martha Barley, who was dean of women when I, well... Anyway, now she's president of the university, and ah, I... Ah, was... ah, ah, ah,
3: So, you've had this all planned. Planned? You are going to support
1: me. You supported me all the time we've been married. Oh,
3: good Lord, it's worse than I thought. You're in on it, too. In on what? The plot. Don't ask me what plot. I will. The plot to take over. Oh, Tommy, you are not well... First, Rip them of their jobs. Second, rob them of their manhood. I'm going to call a doctor. A woman doctor, no doubt.
1: Tom, you've always liked Ursula Cardell.
3: And third, destroy their sanity. Oh, no, no, Helen. It won't work. Because I'm going to fight back. We're all going to fight back.
0: This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant Dream